0: Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is uh, December 23rd, uh, 2011, and for those who are observing Hanukkah, uh, based on the new moon calendar, I know those who are following the calculated Jewish calendar, this is the fifth day of Hanukkah, but those who are doing the uh, going by the uh, New Moon calendar, this is the fourth day of the Festival of Dedication. And I will talk about this later on in the program, but first, uh, for those who are familiar with me and how I do my uh, radio program, I talk about any significant world events, and there really hasn't been any significant world events Um other than the fact that people are being deceived into celebrating Christmas again. And uh, he had some shenanigans in the White House in regards to um, the tax issues, the payroll tax issues. They were finally able to resolve that. So that, that's good news there. Um, there's still problems around the world in reference to our, our finances, and that's not going to get any better, it appears. And... Of course, um, I think SCUD missiles are still, or missiles are still being fired at Israel, and that's not being reported in the news. And uh, things are getting heated up there. But other than that, it's been somewhat of a fairly, uh, well, let me look at the Infowars.com here real quick because I didn't really have the time to, to browse here. It's been a rough work week for me. So, I'm I'm probably one of the few ministers that that you ever hear that actually does have a, a, that actually works along with preaching, but that's what was done in the first century. Uh, Jesus was a carpenter. Uh, Paul made tents or tolets. And the other apostles worked too. And uh, I'm going to probably do another Bible study. I know I'm going to write about it and put it online, but that's something that a lot of people don't uh, realize or understand that uh, there was even Jewish tradition that the rabbis had a secular occupation in addition to uh, teaching and preaching. And that's something that uh, I think a lot of uh, ministers today don't understand. But anyway, I'm looking here. I don't really see too much. Let me look at watch.org here. Iraq crisis stirs protests in Sunni strongholds. It says several thousand Iraqis and Sunni Muslim strongholds protested on Friday against Shiite Prime Minister Nari al-Malaki, responding to his moves against two Sunni leaders in Tentas Sunni and Shiite are the two uh, divisions of, uh, it seems like every religion has certain divisions, and uh, Islam is no different than, than any other religion as far as the divisions. You had the Shiites, you had the Sunnis. Uh, the Sunnis, Anyway, uh, two Sunni leaders in taking the streets a day after fatal bombings in the capital hit the capital Baghdad. Says Malaki this week saw Sunni Vice President Tariq al-Hashimi's arrest on terrorism charges and moved to fire on Sunni deputy. On Thursday, at least 72 people were killed in Baghdad by bombings in mainly Shiite neighborhoods. So, You know, here our troops leave, and um, there's still chaos and destruction there. Uh, Forty dead, over 100 injured in the twin Syria blasts. Two explosions target security services buildings in Damascus. Initial reports suggest suicide bombers at um, Al-Qaeda link. Lebanon reported warned Syria of terror plot. So there's still going to be a bunch of shenanigans going on in the Middle East. And uh we need to watch the Middle East because everything's gonna start at Jerusalem and end in Jerusalem as far as Bible prophecy is concerned. All right. As far as the Torah readings, let's go over that here. Courtesy of uh haban.org. And Genesis chapter 41 to Genesis chapter 44, verse 17. I'm just going to summarize that. Again, uh, using the, the notes here in Habbat Okay. All right. Joseph's imprisonment finally ends when Pharaoh dreams of seven fat cows that are swallowed up by the seven lean cows and of seven fat years of grain swallowed by seven lean years. Joseph interprets the dreams to mean that seven years of plenty will be followed by seven years of hunger. You wouldn't believe the different interpretations of this uh what's going on here. But um it says and advises Pharaoh to store grain during the plentiful years. Pharaoh appoints Joseph governor of Egypt, Joseph marries um, Asenath, daughter of Potiphar. And they have two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, which uh, when you truly understand is uh, Manasseh and Ephraim, they're a part of the United States and, and Britain. And if that sounds crazy to you, go to your um, Davidi's website, www.britam, B as boy, R-I-T, a-M, as in mother, dot org, and, and you realize that I'm not crazy once you start reading the material there. Uh, he has material from the Bible, also from secular, outside the Bible, sources to prove his point and my point. Famine. Famine spreads throughout the region. And, and remember, uh, in Ezekiel chapter 14, uh, that's one of the major punishments that God uses to punish Nations and punish individuals, he takes away the ability for you to support yourself and to feed yourself. That's one of the reasons why we work, right, to eat. Anyway, famine spreads throughout the region, and food can be obtained only in Egypt. Ten of Joseph's brothers come to Egypt to purchase grain. The youngest, Benjamin, stays home, for Jacob fears for his safety. Joseph recognizes his brothers, but they do not recognize him. He accuses them of being spies, insists that they bring Benjamin to prove that they are who they say they are and imprison Simeon as a hostage. Later, they discover that the money they pay for their provisions has been mysteriously returned to them. Jacob agrees to send Benjamin only after Judah, which are the Jews today, assumes personal and eternal responsibility for him. This time, Joseph receives them kindly releases Simeon and invites him to an eventful dinner at his home. But then he plants his silver goblet purportedly imbued with magical powers or magic powers in Benjamin's sack. When a brother set out for home, the next morning they are pursued, searched and arrested. When the goblet is discovered, Joseph offers to set them free and retain only Benjamin as his slave. So God is using Joseph here to teach his brothers a lesson. And remember, Joseph really that's prophetically uh, symbolizes the United States and British nations. Now, if you want to look at this logically and prophetically,
0: uh,
1: if it wasn't for the United States and Britain, we would all be under German rule right now. Uh, it's because of our two nations that uh, we have, I wouldn't call it peace, because peace is when all everyone's needs is taken care of and you don't have any suffering and so forth. But we have peace as far as being able to live a decent life in this country and in and Britain and all the other western nations we don't have the headaches of uh, Muslims who live in Saudi Arabia and if they don't do certain things then they get their head cut off or uh, other like in China you do something they, I think they cut limbs off too they do kind of and they have this one law in China I think you can't have too many babies if so then they, they force abortions and so forth so, so we don't have that type of um, we don't have those type of restrictions as uh, other uh, Gentile nations uh, may have, and we're really not a Gentile nation. Uh, we, the uh, ten tribes of Israel, the United States and, and Canada and Britain and the countries in Northwestern Europe and Australia and New Zealand and South Africa, uh, they are part of the uh, ten tribes of Israel. And of course, anyone that, uh, whatever, no matter what type of uh, race you are. As a human being, if you accept King Messiah, who is the king of Israel, uh, as your Lord and Savior, you also become grafted into the commonwealth of Israel. That is uh, the mystery of the gospel, as Paul stated. And um, everyone is is welcome to obey the commandments of God, not just the Jews. So anyway, Joseph, as you know here in this, in this uh, Parsha, or passage of scripture uh, is responsible for saving the whole world. All right, and United States, God used the United States to save the whole world during World War One and World War Two. Uh, United States and Britain are Ephraim and Manasseh, modern Ephraim and Manasseh. So um, that's something to to remember here when you're reading this parsha. I doubt if anyone has that type of insight. Not too many people. Uh, than year David and me and myself and a few others that, that know this uh about who israel really is um as I've mentioned before to help you to understand where are the bibles distributed worldwide what's the where is when you take a map and look at it where is most of the bible distribution located well it's located in the western nations primarily in in the in the middle east in, in israel so that should give you a clue, too, to tell you who Israel is and what it consists of, or who they consist of, rather. Okay, let's go to the prophet section here. And also, the thing about Joseph, too, you need to remember, it has something to do with loving the brotherhood, loving... I mean, brothers, we're all brothers and sisters. We all coming from come from one blood. That's what we have to understand, and the... There's many lessons to be learned from the story of Joseph, but I think one of the primary ones, as a matter of fact, I know, is that we need to learn how to love um, our neighbors as we love ourselves and then love our brothers who are our fellow human beings. Okay, so the Heptar section. That's First Kings chapter 3, verses 15 to First Kings 4, verse 1, uh, courtesy of Habad again. That's C-H-A-B-A-D dot org. Uh, I invite you to go to the website. There's a lot of information there. Be careful when you read it, though, because they are traditional Jews, basically, that uh, don't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. But that doesn't mean that they don't have any knowledge that you can learn from. Anyway, this week's Haftarah opens with the words, And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream, echoing this week's Torah portion, which opens with Pharaoh's dreams. Though not included in the Hathor, in this dream, God granted King Solomon his legendary wisdom. The Hathor relates a famous episode that made all of Israel aware of their new monarchs, keen intellect. And this is interesting. <laughs> Two harlots approached King Solomon to aduncate their dispute, or to elaborate their dispute. They lived together in the same house, and each had given birth to an infant three days apart. One night, one of the infants was accidentally crushed to death by her mother, and one woman accused the other of switching infants in order to have a live baby. Each woman claimed that the live child is theirs, and the deceased child was the other's. King Solomon asked that a sword be bought in orders that the child be cut in half with each woman receiving one half. At this point, the mother of the living child exhorts the king to give the child to the other woman so that he may live, while the other woman says, let it Be neither mine nor yours, divide. The king ruled, give her the living child, and by no means slay him. She is his mother. So, the one that said that uh, the child should go to the other woman so he may live, that was a very unselfish uh, sentiment that she had, but that's an example of uh, showing love and, and so forth. She was willing to give up her own child so the child could live. Of course, the other woman can care less. So, uh, that that's a lesson to be learned there. All right. Um, let's go to the um, Renewed Covenant section. Yeah, I'm going to emphasize this, but I'm going to quote it anyway. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. Actually, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm going to quote that later on in the Bible study. So, um Let's go ahead and uh talk about Hanukkah here. I think I have plenty of time to do it too, it looks like, which is good. Yes, I do. Okay. So what is Hanukkah? And while well, people are, are going out of their minds basically, um no well not some people are going out of their mind, but, but other people. And the reason why I said people go out of their minds, uh my wife. Well, I, I learned about this earlier but my wife who reminded me about it. You know, people going nuts about Michael Jordan shoes, $180, and what's standing out where, out in the street or whatever, going out of their minds, uh, and, and it's because of the Christmas spirit, which that's not the type of spirit you want to have going nuts of, of, and buying $180 shoes. Certainly you don't need $180 shoes unless you're an athlete or something, okay, uh, making money. So that that that's an example. I talked about Christmas last week, folks, and Jeremiah chapter 10. It's plain that God, He knows the end from the beginning, and He talks about a tree. But let's go to that here real quick. Let me let, let's let's understand the great God here that He. <laughs> I know He definitely, definitely was not going to write the Bible and not mention that He knows about Christmas. Okay, I mean Christmas is. It seems to be the greatest day in the world. So you think God is not going to not mention it in the Bible? Come on, let's use our common sense here. Okay? He's a very jealous God. And if he knew that human beings, and he did, would pick a, uh, one certain day and, and make it like it's so spectacular, then of course he's going to say something about it. This is only common sense. But anyway, let's read this in the... English Standard Version. What? Huh? I said it's called idolatry. 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 Anyway, Jeremiah 10, verse 1. Hear the word that the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Now, you should understand who the house of Israel is today. I just explained it to you. If you don't understand, go to Yer David's website, w boy rita morg The house of Israel. We're part of the house of Israel, folks. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 will help you understand that as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with the first verse. Alright, Jeremiah 10 verse 2. Thus says the Lord, learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them. In other words, you shouldn't be looking at Pisces and all these ridiculous Tars, all this silly stuff. He's he's telling you not to not to pay attention to that. Okay? Verse 3, and here's the reason why. And this is what God is saying through the prophet Jeremiah. Now, keep in mind, if you think it's strange, I'm reading from the Old Testament. God doesn't think so. If you look at Ephesians 2, verse 20, it says the assembly, the foundation of the assembly is the apostles and the prophets. So I'm going to always quote from any place out of the Bible to prove my point. If you don't like that, go listen to someone else. Jeremiah 10, verse 3, For the customs of the people's are vanity or meaningless or vain. A tree from the forest is cut down. Now, when you start, when I read that, what do you immediately think of, folks? A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hands of a craftsman. You get these so-called biblical scholars saying, that's not what it's talking about. That's not what it's talking about. Come on, use your common sense, folks. There's nothing wrong with listening to scholars. A scholar is someone who, uh, is specialized in a certain area of knowledge and they study it on a consistent basis. So, and, and they know it so well that they can teach other people. But that doesn't mean they're not perfect. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're perfect and that they can't make mistakes. All right? So, anyway, verse 4 they decorated with silver and cut. Come on, come on. A tree from the forest is cut down and work with an axe by the hands of a craftsman. They decorate it with silver and gold. Silver and gold, a tree cut down. Come on. That's the Christmas tree, folks. But you have these scholars. That's not what it's talking about. That's what it is talking about. Now, it may not have been exactly the Christmas tree we have today, but the concept is there. The concept, the idea. God is not stupid, folks. He knows the end from the beginning. And he knew that we would pick a Christmas and use that to teach children to lie, because that's what it does. I don't hear hardly anyone addressing this point about Christmas. Christmas biggest lie probably ever created—that there's a big fat man that comes down a chimney and gives gifts to little children—and then people say, "Well, that's a white lie." Well, where's show me in the Bible? And don't be don't you dare use that situation with uh what's her name? Raya what's her name? Raya. Yeah. Yeah, sure she lied, but you know God God didn't brag about her lying, okay? I mean that that was wrong and it was good that she did, she had good intentions, but that was, still was wrong. Okay? So that still was wrong, but you know, but there was some good out of it. That doesn't mean that you you should lie anyway. I you know, Jesus Christ never lies. God never lies. There's there was another way she could have did it without doing that, okay? Yeah, Abraham lied about Sarah. Does that make it right? Did, he, did Abraham lied about Sarah? No. That's right. All have sin, and that lying thing. It seems like everybody's done that one. You know about lying. Okay. So, so you know, when I lie, I don't lie on purpose. I forget things. It's still lying though. You got, you got, you gotta remember what you say. Okay. But the the the, the 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 lying that God really hates is when you whew, when you know what you're saying and you remember what you're saying and you're still doing it, that's the kind of lying that God really hates. And sometimes you, know? you tell the truth even though you know you feel like you need to lie, but it's for righteousness' sake. We have to suffer for righteousness' sake. Yeah, that's right, right, right. And, and you know, my wife seems to be growing here spiritually. That's, that's great, you know. For her to say that, that makes me feel a lot better. But, yeah, that that's... that's um, you got to stand up for the truth, and that's what Hanukkah is about too. And that's why I'm you know, starting this Bible study with the abomination of Christmas, so that you understand the abomination of desolation. <laughs> okay, which you know, it's not Christmas, but the abomination of desolation. When you really understand it, it's about idolatry, worshiping false gods. All right, and this day, Christmas is probably the greatest deception. That Satan has ever created in terms of holidays or religious days, because people think Christmas is a religious day, a, a true religious day, and it's not. I, I'm gonna sure I'm gonna quote that scripture in Jeremiah. Okay, right, since I'm there, I might as well eventually. But anyway, uh, so this this stay with me here in this program. Uh, look, if you can look at two hours, what's that idiotic uh, movie? That that they made about uh, blue people and all that. What's that? Uh, Avatar, right? Avatar. That av- Avatar movie is three hours, and probably you guys have probably looked at that. All right. So if you can sit there and look at look at that silly movie for three hours, you can you can sit and listen to some truth for two hours, okay? Once a week. Uh, and then Star Wars. The average the average movie is about two hours. And what do you learn in these movies? Not a doggone thing, other than to waste your time and get fat on popcorn. Okay, so so pay attention to this. All right, um, verse 4, they decorated with silver and gold. They fasten it with a hammer and nail so it cannot move. We don't do that today. We just, you know, it's conveniently set up on a, what is that? It's been a, such a long time since I've even, my goodness, it's been about 27 years since I've settled oh, Yeah, tree holder, right, right, okay, all right, All right. tree holder, whatever, all right. So, and then uh, verse 5, now it tells you what they are here. They're idols, are like scarecrows. That's what the tree is. It's an idol, like like scarecrows in a cucumber field, and they cannot speak, and they have to be carried for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither is it in them to do either. Neither is it in them to do good. And the people say, "Well,
0: <laughs> it's okay then.
1: It's not evil. It's not good." Well, is that saying that? What does it say here in the beginning? See, people when they read the Bible, they want to is a Jesus. That's a Incorrect method of interpretation of the scriptures where they put their own thoughts into the scriptures and they want to make it what they want to make it so they can justify their wickedness. And that's not how you study the Bible, nor is that how you understand the scriptures. Now, what does God say again in Jeremiah 10, verse 2? Thus says the Lord, not me, the Lord, learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them, meaning that you shouldn't be in astronomical signs. It's silly stuff. Okay, verse 3, I have one person tell me, uh, well, I like Harry Potter. I believe God approves of me looking at Harry Potter. No, he does not. Look at Leviticus chapter 19. He He hates He, he does not want you to have anything to, do, anything to do with wizards. There's no good wizards as far as God is concerned. And if you're looking at Harry Potter, you got some serious issues. And you need to repent of that. Because I know that God would not... By the authority of God and the scriptures, I know he wouldn't sit and waste his time looking at Harry Potter. Anyway, we can deceive ourselves into doing things that aren't right. Jeremiah 10 verse 2, thus says the Lord, learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them. Verse 3, for the customs of the peoples are vanity. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hands of a craftsman. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so they cannot move. It's the Christmas tree for folks. The, the concept of the Christmas tree is there. Okay? And in verse 6 of Jeremiah chapter 10, There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great and might. Verse 7, Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? That's right. He's the king of the nations, not Obama or any other uh, leader of a country. So I do I want to pick on him only. For this is your due, for among all the wise ones of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. There is none like you. Now this is what he tells us here. In, actually, in verse 8. They are both stupid and foolish. The instruction of idols is but wood. Verse 9. Beaten silver is bought from Tarshish and gold from Upas. They are the work of the craftsmen in the hands of the goldsmen their Their clothing is violet and purple; they are all the work of skilled men, but the Lord is the true God. that's what we're talking about. the difference between truth and things that aren't aren't true and the Christmas tree symbolizes things that aren't true, but the Lord is the true God, He is the living king, the living God, and everlasting king. At this wrath, the earthquakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Okay, so you can read the rest of this, but it just tells you that, hey, I'm the true God, you pay attention to me. And I like this right here in verse 23 of Jeremiah chapter 10. I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Verse 24, correct me, O Lord, (laughs) and that's what the gospel is about, correction. And a lot of people don't want that. They want to go correct other people. But, oh, wait wait a minute. Uh, I don't need no correction. Get away from me. I don't don't want that, you know. Correct me, O Lord, but in justice, not in your anger, that you bring me to nothing. Verse 25, pour out your wrath on the nations that know you not. And this is what's coming to all these nations that don't want to obey God. Pour out your wrath on the nations that know you not and on the peoples that call not on your name. For they have devoured Jacob. And that's, unfortunately, what's coming. Uh, Jacob's going to be devoured, the United States and Canada and Australia and New Zealand South Africa countries in northwestern Europe, as punishment. They have devoured him and consumed him and have laid waste his habitation. That's coming, folks, not just on those regions I just mentioned, but around the world. That's coming. And what has happened first, if you've been paying attention to the news, is the famine. We're having a financial famine right now. Eventually it's going to lead to a worldwide famine. How do I know that? Well, Yeshua said that that would happen. Jesus said it would happen. That's how I know that. Now, let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 16. Verse 19. To understand that this Christmas tree lie. And the reason why I call it a lie, there's two lies, two major lies to say that Jesus Christ was born. Now, he may have been conceived around December 25th, but he wasn't born on December 25th. How do I say that? Well, when you when you do a good Bible study, it appears that he was born around the Festival of Tabernacles. And December, if you count nine months from that, is around September, October. Okay, so it's, it's possible that he was born not born but conceived, around December 25th. But we don't know if he was born exactly on December 25th. We we don't know that. I mean, you know, conceived on December 25th. Conception and birth is two different things. But it's being taught, of course, among Christian churches and around the world that December 25th is the birthday of Jesus Christ, and that's not true. So that's one big lie. Another big lie, again, as I tried to stress, is that there's a Santa Claus a fat man called santa claus that that uh in a few days um, a day and a half i guess will be uh in the air with reindeer that can fly it's gonna go around and and go in the chimneys and 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 give people and give these kids gifts and give other people gifts that's a lie and and they have it yeah, yeah they're advertising it right and then they then they lie. And saying Santa this and Santa that, I mean it's a bunch of lying. And then when kids find out, I was like, well, you know, I, I know I was hurt by it. You know, I I couldn't believe my parents would, would lie about something like that. Uh, you know, that and the Easter bunny and all that, you know, and, and then it's supposed to be okay, right? But anyway, Jeremiah sixteen, verse nineteen, O oh Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in the day of trouble, to you shall the nations come from the ends of the earth and say, Oh our fathers have inherited nothing but lies, and I tell you, this Christmas thing is a lie. It's an old tradition; it goes all the way back to Nimrod. And you know, I'm not going to go into detail about all that. What you need to understand is a lie. Uh, you know, my my style of teaching is to try to break this down so that a little child can understand. I'm not going to try to impress you with all the knowledge that I have. Uh, it is a lie, okay? But I'm, that's not the purpose of me. Uh, teaching you. Teaching should be uh, something of clarity, not um trying to show someone how much you know. Uh now we need to understand this. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1. And this goes out to all Torah teachers that are listening to me. Uh I I suspect a few of you do. You know, listen to me and that's fine and you know, if you use the information to better your ministry, that's great. But anyway, first Corinthians chapter thirteen verse one. I listen to other people and I, I get information, particularly scriptures to use. Uh first Corinthians chapter thirteen verse one. If I speak in the tongues or, or languages of men and of angels, but have not love, what is love? Well uh we we have the definition of that, I'm gonna go to it in a minute. I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all the faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So you can know this and know that and blah blah blah, but if you don't have love, you know what good is it? That that's that's what he's saying here. And let's let's turn here. Let me see if I can find the scripture here. Yeah, Romans thirteen verse ten. It gives you what. A simple definition of love. Love is. If you're looking for the love is scripture, here it is. Romans 13, verse 10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. So first of all, if you love somebody, you don't hurt them. Okay? Now, if someone is hurt because you're doing right, well, that's on them. I'm talking about doing right. All right? Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Okay, what does the word fulfilling mean? Let's look it up in the original Greek. It's the completion of the law. Love is the completion of the law. That Greek word is, play Roma. It means repletion or completion. That is, what fills. What is filled? Performance. Which is put in the fill-up peace, that field of fulfilling full, fullness. So it's the performance of the law or fulfilling of the law. That's what love is. So, if you don't love your neighbor, if you don't have that light that we're going to talk about today, that's what Hanukkah represents too, that we should be light to the world, we should care about people. If we don't have that, all this knowledge that you have, it doesn't impress God. It doesn't impress God. Okay. So, uh, you understand that prophecy. Uh, I read that whole prophecy in Jeremiah, right? About, okay. No, not about the tree, about the deception. Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 19. The nations will come to you from... No, I didn't. I didn't read the rest of it. The nations will come to you from all around the world. They will say, our fathers... Have false gods. They worship those worthless idols, but the idols do not help them. And one of those worthless idols, folks, is the Christmas tree. Verse 20. Can people make real gods for themselves? No. They can only make statues that are not really gods. So I will teach those who make idols. Right now, I will teach them about my power and my strength. Then they will know that I am God. They will know that I am the Lord and that word. Lord, When you see Lord translated in the King James and other English translations, uh, the the, um, YHVH or YHWH, the Tetragrammaton, that's what what that is. Uh, That's the actual name of God, and people can't make up their mind what is Yahweh, 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 and some people have made a, a total religion out of that. Um, But here's the the verse that you need to understand, and this is what these uh, sacred name sects don't seem to understand. Psalm 105, verse 1, says, Give thanks to the Lord, and call out to him, uh, tell the nations what he has done. And in Psalm 105, verse 1, in the King James, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name. And what these sacred name sects are saying is that you gotta have, you gotta say his name to be healed or, or whatever, and that's not true. I've, I've asked people be healed by the name of Jesus, and they were healed. Okay, so <laughs> it's, it's not so much the name as making his deeds known among the people, and that's what Hanukkah is about too, folks. It's about doing something. It's not about just laying around. Um, just celebrating the day and that's that. I mean, it should provoke you to to let your light be shown among men, let your deeds be shown. And, and I'm going to explain that to you in the simplest way I can possible today. All right, so, and then these nations too. There's hope for these nations, any nation. Jeremiah 18 verse 7 says, At what instant shall I speak concerning a nation? That's in the King James and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and destroy it, verse 8. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, if they repent, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Now notice, he's not just talking about the Jews. He's talking about any nation or groups of nations. And then the reverse is going to happen, too. And that's what's happening, unfortunately, the reverse in, in most cases. And at what instance I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build in the planet if it do evil in my sight? that it obeyed not my voice, then I will repent of the good where I said I would benefit them. So that's, unfortunately, that's what's going on in almost every nation in the world. Actually, I would say all the nations right now. Unfortunately, even in America. Okay, so, again, Hanukkah means dedicate. And hopefully at the end of this Bible study you'll understand That Hanukkah has a lot to do with the temple worship, the physical temple worship, and the spiritual temple uh, worship, um, our bodies, and how we take care of them. All right, so I'm going to quote from an excellent book that I suggest you get, and I'm going to quote also from the Apocrypha, and let me give you a little short history lesson on the Apocrypha. The original King James Version had the Apocrypha in it. The Septuagint, which is the first translation of the Bible into another language that was accepted back in the 250 BC around that time. All right. I also had First and Second Maccabees. A lot of this information I got from an excellent teaching I listened to uh, last night from Michael Rude. So I suggest you, you go to his website and, and listen to um, what he talked about last night. It was pretty good. I got some of the information this Bible study from that. I don't mind given credit when it's due. Um, just with any minister, including myself, be careful how you listen to them and so forth. And uh, uh, if you want to purchase his stuff, that, that's fine. Uh, there's a scripture that says in Proverbs 23, verse 23, buy the truth and sell it not. And unlike Michael Rood and all the rest of Torah teachers, I, I don't believe in uh, selling my teachings. Now, you know, ministers should be supported. Don't get me wrong. But they shouldn't have to sell the literature to get support from you. You should be supporting them so that they can offer the literature for free. Because that's God's will. When you look at Isaiah chapter 55, it says, hey, those who have no money, you know, he, he wants you to... And, and in Matthew 10, verse 8, freely you have received, freely give. Uh, the teachings of God should not be sold like like it's a bookstore or something, okay? It shouldn't be... It shouldn't be how can you, know, would you picture Christ doing that or, or Paul? Oh, come on. I mean, that, let's, let's be realistic based on what he said. But don't get me wrong. The ministers must be supported. And you should support them and you should give to them. It's hard work. And then ministers also need to understand. They need to read Jewish history. They need to look at the example of Christ. He was a carpenter. And Paul was a tent maker. And the apostles, uh, all of them worked with their hands. Uh, you should not totally depend on the people to support you you should uh, have some kind of outside occupation this is not foreign to the Bible it's not foreign to Jewish uh, tradition Uh, we've been so wrapped up in capitalism that uh, ministers have made a profit off of selling their teachings which is against the Bible and what it says Uh, I'm just going to quote one scripture here two scriptures to prove my point and then we're going to move on here Micah 3 verse 11 states here, the heads there of judge for reward and the priests, and, and that's what we are we're spiritually, we're priests today, therefore teach for hire. And the prophets therefore divine for money. We, we shouldn't be charging for any seminars, uh, for any literature that we produce. Now if someone wants to give and they should give to support the ministry, that's different. But they shouldn't. Need something to remind them that they should give. They shouldn't have a book and it has a price on it. Here, give to my ministry and I'll give you this. When we give, we shouldn't expect anything back. That's the way I teach people. I, I've, I've, God has blessed me to to receive money from people who are glad to hear me preach to them. But I don't tell them how much they should give. And I don't tell them, well, I do remind them that during the holy days they should give. Is commanded that they did, should give to the Levites or the spiritual Levites during the holy days. But you should you should give consistently too. And you should give cheerfully. Now this was Paul's attitude and this is my attitude uh, because he told us to follow him. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in terms of um, he says right here in verse 14 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 9 in the King James Version even so had the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel, preach the gospel should live of the gospel, live meaning live of the gospel, not get rich of the gospel. And what do we need to live? Well, he talked about in verse thirteen. Says, do you know? Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers of the altar. Now, what was on the altar? Food. So he's talking about basic necessities, not buildings and production studios and and everything else. He's not talking about that. And and verse 16, uh, verse 15, right, it says, But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that they should be so done unto me, for it were better for me to die, than that any man should make my glory void. What ministries should be doing is building up the communities. Uh, Preaching around the world, that's something that is going to be done by the two witnesses and the angel in Revelation 14 verse 6 and then of course the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11 I, as I've tried to explain to people um the internet only has a reach of 2 billion that's B as in boy 2 billion people uh according to a website called the Joshua Project just typing in Google um approximately 4 billion people have heard of the name Jesus Christ however However, most have heard the false gospel of Jesus Christ, which which states that he died on the cross so you don't have to obey the commandments anymore. All right, and that's a false gospel, and that's been preached to most of the four billion people. Most of those four billion people, I guarantee you, have not heard of the name of Jesus' name, his Hebrew name, Yeshua or Yahshua. And they don't realize that he died on the cross not only to wipe away the death penalty, but also to encourage us and to provoke us and to uh, give us the Holy Spirit, so that we can keep the commandments. That's why He died—not just to wipe away sin from the world, but, the, but uh, f- away from us, from the world, and fr- from us, but to provoke us or stimulate us to obey the commandments. And I guarantee you that—that that type of message. It's not being preached. Hold your place here. Let me turn to Hebrews again if you don't believe what I just told you there. This is uh, very important information. Hebrews uh, 9, verse 13. For if, you know, there's one confused Torah teacher that's teaching that the book of Hebrews is not scripture. (laughs) He needs to read it again. There's a lot of things in the book of Hebrews that's very important. And this is one of the most important of this entire uh, epistle or letter. Uh, Hebrews 9, verse 13, "For For if the blood of bulls and of goats and ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify it to the purifying of the flesh, verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And dead works are works that have no value, right? Well, we need to have alive works. So that's one of the major reasons why he died, so we would have not dead works, but alive works. That's the antithesis, or the opposite of dead works. Okay. And getting back to my point here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of it, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. chapter 9 what is my reward then verily that when i preach the gospel i may make the gospel of christ without charge uh, that i abuse not my power in the gospel and then what is uh first corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 say be followers of me even as i am also of christ so obviously christ in charge with stuff either and we shouldn't be charging for our stuff And in verse 33, uh, when, when he states here, uh, the next verse where he says, follow me because I follow Christ, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 33, even as I please all men and all things, not seeking my own profit, he's not seeking his own profit, but for the profit of many, that they may be saved. And so, you know, I tell ministers this, I try to anyway, uh, if you're really so concerned about people being saved, why are you charging for your liturgy? Why, why why, why must there be a charge of course you should be supported you need to trust God for that God will provide you with support from the right people okay so you, you have to understand that and you have to trust God in that area okay so anyway we're going and we're describing what Hanukkah is what it's about, and I'm going to quote from The Life and the Times of Jesus the Messiah by Alfred Edersheim, and it's E-D-E-R-S-H-E-I-M, Edersheim, he was a Messianic Jew, it's an excellent book, it gives you the the background of the first century, Josephus is good, but this is a good book as well, and it's uh, chapter 14 of this book page 631 again this book uh, excellent book The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah completed on a in one volume by Alfred Edersheim he's a, he was a messianic Jew I'm going to quote from the, on this page it was not of biblical origin but had been instituted talk about Hanukkah by Judas Maccabeus in 164 BC when the temple which had been desecrated by Antiochus Epiphanes by the way his name represents that he's a god okay was once more purified and rededicated to the service of God. This is found in 1 Maccabees 6, verse 52-59. I will turn to that scripture later on. Not a scripture, but uh, from the uh, Apocrypha. Accordingly, it was designated as a dedication of the altar. That's that's in 1 Maccabees 6, verse uh, 56-59. Josephus, in Antiquities, um, I think section 12, 7.7, calls it the lights, on the principle of observances at the feast, though he speaks in hesitating language of the origin of the festival is connected with this observance. Probably because while he knew he was ashamed to avow and yet afraid to deny his belief in the Jewish legend connected with it. And what's the legend? Well the legend is which you you won't even find in any of the, the books of Maccabees that uh there was oil was miraculously preserved past the eight day, there was not enough oil for all the days and God Supplied miraculously to oil Well you'll never find that in the in the book of uh, Maccabees So we don't know whether that's true or not The real miracle of um, The Maccabean revolt Is that you had these Small groups of Jews overcoming The Grecian army or the Roman Grecian army at that time That was the miracle That God Just like he did in the 1967 war Just like he did With other Jewish wars uh, Purim It's another um, Observers that uh, you should observe because Christ did, he was a Jew. And uh, when you look at uh, Esther chapter 9,
0: Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch.